Some people celebrate the holidays, but you, you dominate the holidays. You deck the halls, the mantle, and anything else that will stand still. You deserve a bold cold brew that's as festive as you. Topped with creamy cookie butter cold foam, covered in cookie butter crumbles, and perfectly pairable with our new cookie butter donut, Dunkin's Cookie Butter Cold Brew is a delicious match for your decked out domination. America runs on Dunkin'. Present participation may vary, limited time offer, terms apply. Jenkins with Wildflower Farm. Um, I'm Miriam Goldberger, also with Wildflower Farm. My name is Tracy Ariel, and I am unapologetically Canadian. So I am so excited because Miriam and Paul are here visiting Grand Potager, the uh, municipal greenhouses in Redon that uh, our co-op uh, helped establish. And uh, s these are uh, two of my heroes because I've been using their uh, amazing indigenous lawn seed called Ecolon, which is a set of uh, five fescues. It takes a lot less water and a lot less mowing than any other lawn that I've ever used. And so, of course, we began our conversation with me asking them how the heck they started this and uh, um, what uh, happened for them to create this wonderful product. And at that time, we knew nothing about lawn grass, but somewhat arrogantly, we went and collected the seed and tried growing it at our farm. And what we got as a result was exactly what you see in a bush. A little clump here and a little clump there, a little clump there. So they didn't knit to become a, a real lawn. Um, but with more research, we found that number one, these are fine fescues. And fine fescues are actually native to everywhere in the northern hemisphere of the planet. And yet, traditional lawns, Kentucky Blue and all this other stuff, they're not. They're, they're all from Europe. So. What we did is, at that time, is we ended up working with one of the world's top seed breeders. And all of that, weirdly enough, it, the entire lawn industry is really based in Oregon. Oh, really? Oregon. In Oregon? It's cool and wet there all the time. All the Kentucky Blue, all the perennial rye, all the grasses, lawn grass seed, it all comes from there. So that's where the top breeders are. And so we worked with uh, Leah Brillman, and came up with a few different ideas and we tested them and this formula worked and we trialed it for three years at our farm and at other people's places I would call up friends and say can I rip out part of your backyard and try this because you have shady sandy soil or you have this kind of condition and after three years we went this works so we introduced it to the market at Canada Blooms in 1998 and it's gone ever since and that's all over North America now so Everywhere we go in North America, it doesn't matter where, there are people, homeowners, businesses, municipalities with Ecolon, because it works. What's fascinating is that agronomists, you know, the people who study growing and grains and the farming industry, they know that fine fescues are really the best kept secret uh, in the entire lawn industry because they perform so well. In, in sun and in shade and in deep shade and they don't really need to be fertilized. They, they germinate fast but they grow slowly. All these different factors that if more people knew about it, the traditional shallow-rooted sod lawns uh, would be basically out of business because they are basically chemical companies that are 
uh, selling all the different chemicals that you need to support a high-maintenance, shallow-rooted, sod-style lawn. Which right. is where initially in Canada and still somewhat in the United States we get resistance from garden centers. Who they say, they look at it and they think it's cool, but then, and we've been told this many times, it doesn't support the chemical fertilizer product program. <laughs> oh my gosh, And really? that's where they make sure. their money. They don't uh, make money selling okay. grass seed. Right. They, they make money selling you spring fertilizers, summer you know, lawn care treatments, fall fertilizers, all that sort of stuff. And then the other factor from the production point of view, where the big companies, the Scots and all that sort of stuff, is for the farmers who produce it, it, they find fescues produce less seed per acre right. than the other ones do. So therefore it's more expensive because they've got to get the same money as if they were growing Kentucky Blue or whatever they're growing. Right, right. It's just okay. the way the plant works. It makes less seeds. Right, yeah. And so you've been, I mean, since 1998 was your first year of uh, distributing. And uh, how has the business evolved since then? I mean, what I love also about your... My um, one of my programs is creative entrepreneurs. So in many ways, that's what you've been, uh, mm -hmm. you know, right from the start. So can you just describe a little bit about the evolution of the business? Well, it's just kept growing and growing. I mean, initially uh, it was not a lot. We, we were selling a few pallets a year, and then it's grown and grown and grown every year. So there's many, many tractor trailers now. Uh, it's nationwide in Canada. Um, we are at our weakest in Quebec, oh, other than, other than uh, the, that we are in Home Hardware, which operates under different names in Quebec, but they're still part of the same group, mm -hmm. so people can buy it from Home Hardware throughout the country and here in Quebec. Right. It, it's been, it's been a, a really interesting process over the many years, trying different venues and different approaches and different populations. Uh, the thing is, in North America, uh, People are strangely passionate about lawns. <laughs> they are really passionate. And, and we really came into the entire lawn industry in a very backward manner. Um, we we we're native. Wildflowers. We're wildflower yeah. growers, and when we were doing a, a lot of wildflower landscaping for many years, we had customers that we had installed these beautiful meadows or wildflower gardens for, and that were of course, exceptionally low maintenance and attracted uh, butterflies and songbirds and all those those great benefits. But then they would still be faced with these high maintenance lawns. And <laughs> it, it, the, the contrast made it even more clear to them that lawns were really a lot to deal with. And so they started asking us, well, can't you do well, something about it? It was also, when we first started introducing Ecolon to the market, not being lawn people and coming from that part of the industry, I looked at it really not as a lawn for somebody's front lawn. It was more to be a fire barrier for your wildflower meadow. If you had a one-acre meadow, <coughs> the best way to have periodic maintenance on it is to a controlled burn. Well, you'd want to be able to stop the burn. Right. So something that's low and green is going to do it. And it was, I was doing a, an installation for a fellow of a wildflower meadow at his home. And I said, I want to put a, a 
fire barrier around the meadow and pathways through it because you want to be able to walk through it. It's really difficult to walk through a four-foot tall meadow. And I said, so I want to use this grass for that. And he said, well, it's a new home that he was building. And he said, well, if you're going to put that grass over there, why don't you just put it everywhere? Oh. And I was like, really? And so that's where that all sort of began. And, mm -hmm. and then it became lawns everywhere. It's still used for, for with wildflower meadows. Yeah. But that's where, because again, we came into it backwards. I wasn't thinking, this is a great lawn solution. I was just looking at the meadow itself. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And so you're starting with, well, when did you start doing the wildflower part of the business? Uh, late 80s. Ah, okay. So we've been doing that for a long time. And that was just another, Miriam is obsessed with flowers. It's her addiction, and uh, it's, a, it's a good thing. And we quickly learned at our first farm, which was in Schaumburg, Ontario, with horrible clay soil, we learned that a lot of traditional flowers just don't work in that horrible clay. And between the two of us, we sort of came to a realization that if you plant native plants, the odds are you're going to be successful. If you grow something that's been growing in Canada for a quarter million years or longer, it's probably going to work for you. <laughs> you know? And then, you know, at that time, I was working full-time in Toronto while doing this and raising kids, and, and Miriam was running the garden center and store, and she was looking for more low-maintenance landscaping solutions to her gardens as well. So we just sort of yeah. evolved into native plants, and then when we were doing that, oh, almost nobody was doing native plants in the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, people just thought we were... Well, the term was given to us as cityids. <laughs> <laughs> because you had lived in Toronto before that. And because we were doing something that wasn't normal with, to do with agriculture and with, you know, on, on land. Right. You know, we were just, they just scratched their heads and thought, you guys are just out, out of your minds. But that combined with, you know, at the same time the internet came around in the 90s and, you know, we started selling online and... 2000, January 2000, and it's just grown and grown and grown ever since. So basically you found your niche thanks to having the internet being able to find the people who are interested in each location who yep. are, uh, oh, okay. And uh, you, you made it sort of clear that you're life partners as well as business partners. Yes, <laughs> How yes. long have you been together? And oh, what, since, what, 1983 or four? Yeah, we met in 83. Yeah, okay. In Toronto. Okay. And you were both in Toronto at that time? Yes. Yeah. We met in daycare. What do you mean, in daycare? <laughs> <laughs> at the daycare. We were not in daycare. Both, both Our kids were. were oh, okay. We were both oh, okay. Parents. So we met in, at the daycare. Oh, okay. We've been together ever since, and now the kids are grown and have their own. Yeah. Yeah, that's we're exciting. Great parents now. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's <Yeah>. lovely. <laughs> um, and is there anything that you would recommend to other people trying to establish a life together and a business together that would uh, what's helped you? What's helped you motivate that? Cuz it's not that easy of a to be together in in all of your relationships. Well, I I think when we get asked that question, we usually talk about how we had different areas of expertise and different things that aspects of the business that we were each in charge of. Uh, there was definitely some overlap, but it, it 
most of the, most of the years we we've done quite well. <laughs> I would say patience yeah. and perseverance, and that applies, I think, to everything in life, mm-hmm. your relationship, your business, anything you're trying to do. It takes yep. time. You know, the, I don't believe in overnight <coughs> success and overnight miracles, but if you really believe in what you're doing and you just stick to it and keep working at it, it I think, often works out. Yeah, I mean, with what with the wildflower business, it's, as somebody involved with horticulture, you know, there's a huge amount of hard work, hard physical work. Mm-hmm. And you really do have to be passionate about it. I mean, I used to wake them up in the middle of the night to talk about flowers. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. In the morning. I really can't just wait for Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and before he started working with the farm full-time, he was in, in advertising. And that's that's been a real benefit, too. So he understands marketing and graphics and design. And... Um, we both have an appreciation for aesthetics and environmental issues, so we really do share a lot of of interests. Though our backgrounds initially are very, very completely different. opposite. Yeah, you were talking about getting into your passion about dance. That's yes. Your next. Uh, yes. So, what do you do in the in the area of dance? Uh, well, I. I run uh, a lot of programs that uh, work with a variety of populations, particularly people who have uh, Parkinson's or movement disorders or chronic pain or uh, acquired brain injury, a really broad spectrum of basically anybody who has trouble moving. And uh, I work closely with a lot of uh, research scientists that, that talk about the and research the neurological benefits of movement, oh. uh, the cognitive benefits of movement, the physical, the emotional benefits of movement. And um, really, since my twenties, I, I, and then I got this huge, beautiful distraction of thirty some years of falling in love with horticulture. Uh, I believe that there should be expressive therapies. Uh, centers for different populations, oh. on-site and off-site, um, because the, the arts really make a huge difference. And when I was in graduate school, one of the things that I was really working on putting forward was to include horticultural therapy in with the expressive therapy academic training. Oh, okay. Because there is Which combines def- your two exactly, exactly. Okay. Because because horticulture is an art and it is an expressive art as well as having physical and emotional and spiritual benefits so it really checks all the boxes that all the other expressive arts and therapies do as well oh okay what a fascinating uh, endeavor so what are you doing in that area now what's your uh, Uh, I teach I teach a number of, of programs I've been training other teachers as well uh, and we do programming um, in a number of cities in central Ontario. And uh, we're, we also do programming in like, uh, retirement homes and uh, acquired brain injury organizations. There are many, many different applications of this kind of work. And now I'm at the very beginning phase of developing a community-based arts programming uh, in central Ontario and setting up a headquarters 
for that and you know, working with different stakeholders and creating a hopefully a board and all of these things. As, ah, as so I, you're in a startup. I, I am in a startup <laughs> mode, but at the same time, I'm also retired and in a lot of ways and wanting to spend time doing things that uh, happy, healthy, retired people do. Well, you're <laughs> you're more or less retired from Wildflower Farm, but yes. you're really busy with all the other stuff. Yes. I mean, it's not like we, you're sitting around. No, I, 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 I don't. I don't do the sitting around thing. Right, right. And so you're really taking care of Wildflower Farm now. Yeah, Wildflower Farm, I mean, it, for many, many years we operated a native plant nursery. We had a landscaping crew. We had, you know, so there was a lot of staff. And we did that for many, many, 25 years. And then seven years ago, I just closed. I looked at our numbers and said, you know, 90% of our income is online or business to business. And 90% of our headache is being open seven days a week our kids grew up with all their friends had summer holidays they didn't have a summer holiday but you have a garden center you can't have a summer holiday yeah yeah, yeah. you'd take so, a winter holiday if that yeah. <laughs> so we, I, I closed down the retail thing seven years ago and made it strictly seeds online and business to business and it's made my life a lot calmer and easier I, I'm still working but I work mostly three or four hours a day so I'm sort of semi-retired with full income. So you're not quite at uh, Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week, but close. No. <laughs> no just, I mean, the, the, the most time-consuming part of what I do is answering people's questions, whether by phone or by email. Right. Because we all know different things, and some people are just getting into horticulture for their very first time. And as Miriam was saying earlier about lawns, it is an obsession in North America. I mean, we sell lawns, and I still don't, to be honest, really understand the obsession. I think it's okay to have a small bit, you know, like everyone needs a little bit somewhere to have property. <laughs> but I, And I'm happy to sell it, but I never understand when somebody buys 10 acres of lawn. Right. I just think, what a, it's a waste yeah. of land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. So, and then, as you know, my... Oh, well, I should mention you're on this wonderful trip where you're going to small towns in between uh, mm -hmm. your home and uh, my home and then beyond. <laughs> we're driving through Ontario, then through Quebec, and then down through Vermont and Massachusetts, and then back up and trying to do most of it not on major highways. Right, yeah. yeah. So very pleasant. Uh, this is the kind of tour trip you were saying that retired people do. With yeah. The, uh, I mean, yeah. it's a great trip. What a wonderful yeah. idea. Um, but my last question, as you know, is um, do you cons consider yourself Canadian? And if so, what does that mean to you? I want each one of you to answer it separately. So which one wants to go first? Oh, I will. Uh, I'm definitely Canadian. I was born in Canada and my ancestors go back more than 400 years here in Quebec. So I'm definitely Canadian. And I think Canada is the best place in the world to live. It is cold, but everyone else in the world wants to live here. You know, it's, it's a fabulous place. I mean, and we're politically probably the only country left that's sort of center-liberal. Center you know, we're not turning all right-wing like the rest of the planet. So. And um, can you talk a little bit about um, your... Um, what When you say the best place to live, what that means? I think in all aspects... You know, uh, I think we in Canada 
live a better life and lifestyle than anyone in the history of humanity ever has. I mean, we have everything, you know? So I think this is the best place in the world to be. So we have everything like... What's everything? Everything. <laughs> Sorry. Worse somewhere else, other than the, you know, I'm not a fan of winter. <laughs> <laughs> sort of huddle in winter, and you know. Yeah. So, how about you? What do you? Uh, what, how do you? Do you consider yourself a Canadian? Absolutely. And what does that mean to you? It's become a critical part of my identity, and I think about being Canadian. Quite often, we talk about it a lot. Well, you chose. To I, I, yeah, I, I became a Canadian citizen. I guess about, I'm thinking, 14 years ago, yep. and uh, I was originally an American, and I just feel like I'm so lucky. I ended up here. Uh, I, I, I feel that it, being in Canada is very much reflects the values that I grew up in, uh, in the communities I grew up in, and the way I was raised uh, as basically a liberal East Coaster. And it, it's, I, I like the intelligence of, of Canada. I like the compassion of Canada. I like the open-mindedness of Canada. I like the beauty of Canada. I, there's, there's so much here. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> no one's saying it is, but um, it, it continues to be a, a light, a beacon for a lot of people and, and an inspiration. And I love living here. Ah, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you uh, coming to visit Grand Potage, and I really appreciate you uh, taking time to talk to me for Unapologetically Canadian, too. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Unapologetically Canadian. Please consider supporting our podcast for $2.99 a month. Join select listeners and get additional episodes every month. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.